This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we interview Dave Koenig, who is an actor, yep. a writer, a podcaster. You've seen him in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, The Blacklist, great stuff. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and this is another exciting episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou, you're relaxing uh, at uh, Chateau Costable today, and I'm in the Car Guys Report studio as uh, we're taking our social distancing precautions uh, as we should. And... um, I always like to open the uh, show with uh, what's going on in uh, our car world, and I've got a couple interesting things to uh, talk about. I had mentioned, uh, I believe, in our last episode, our last couple episodes, that I was getting ready to uh, sell the 1992 Corvette that I purchased about a year ago. It's uh, currently residing at uh, GR Auto Gallery. That's Grand Rapids Auto Gallery. It's a consignment place that I've actually sold like five cars through and that's actually where i picked up my 58 impala too so i know we've talked about them on the program before but uh, the car got uh, shipped up there uh, about a week ago and um, i always like to chat with the uh, people that are doing the shipping i know that on the program previously uh, i had uh, regaled our audience and you as well with the tale when i got my uh, jaguar xj12 delivered Oh, this is probably about five, six years ago already, and I was talking to the uh, the, the guy doing the shipping, and uh, I was looking at the cars in the uh, trailer, and I said, "Hey, those are you know those are pretty cool." And he goes, "Those are Ralph Lauren's cars," and I'm like, "Wow, my car rode with royalty. That is so cool." So. I wanted to talk to uh, Bob, the guy that picked up my Corvette. He came in a. Um, a uh, Chevy Silverado diesel pickup truck, and that's got a little bit of a story too. Covered trailer. Uh, he pulled my car in. You know, he he works uh, does a lot of business with GR Auto Gallery. First of all, with his with his tow vehicle, um, he was saying like, yeah, that's a 2002 Chevy Silverado. It's only got seventy thousand miles because it was in an estate that uh, he bought it through the, the GR Auto Gallery. They had somehow gotten it through an estate. The car hadn't been driven since 2005, so they had to do a, some batteries and uh, obviously tires and things like that. But I said, so how, you know, how long do you expect to keep that? And he goes, well, I think he said it was an F-150. He said, well, my, my previous tow, tow pickup truck had 800,000 miles on it. <laughs> So I finally got rid of it, and now he's got the Silverado. So I'm sure he's he's if it's only got seventy thousand on it now, I'm sure he's getting ready to put seven hundred and thirty thousand plus miles on that thing. But that's amazing, you know. I mean, if you do the math, 
you know, maybe he's driving three to 400 miles a day if he's driving around the Midwest picking up cars and shipping them around. He could be easily putting on, you know, 2,000 miles a week, which would be 100,000 miles a year, which is only eight years to get 800,000 miles. So it's not really that long of a time, but it just always blows me away when you hear people talk about their their vehicles that have, you know, those incredible amounts of miles on them. So I found that was, was real interesting. But the, the neat stuff, and Lou, I think you'll really enjoy this. I was asking him, you know, how long he's been doing shipping. And I think he said he's been doing it for over 20 years. And I, I said, well, do you have any, like, classic, you know, stories or things like that? And he, a couple of things he told me. He said that he had uh, become friends with uh, Reggie Jackson through various auctions. And he, he did a lot of shipping with Reggie's cars. And I think he said that Reggie was a, was he a, a Camaro fan or a GTO fan? Maybe you know. Do you know what, what Reggie Jackson collected because i know he's got a pretty big collection or maybe it was mustangs i can't remember do you know i i thought he liked the gm cars i thought he liked the chevy products but i yeah I maybe it was he told me what it was and i, I honestly I, I'm, I'm sorry that i didn't write that part down but um so he he he's done reggie jackson's cars he had a story about dana meekham's yellow barracuda i think he said it was a 70 or 71 cuda that was uh, getting loaded incorrectly here up here at an auto show and um dana found out about it and he called bob up and said i want you to ship my car to la so bob said that dana meekham paid him to do a round trip from the chicago area to la to drop off his cuda and then he he paid him to just to drive back empty because he he liked uh he liked bob's service better than the other guys so i thought that was a neat uh a neat uh, story. He also said that uh, years ago he actually hauled Lucille Ball's Rolls Royce. Uh, apparently, after she had passed away, and they were working on her estate, so he had Lu- Lucy Lucy Ball's Rolls Royce uh, in his uh, trailer. And he also has done work for Nikki Chevrolet, the uh, one of the classic uh, Chevrolet tuners uh, that goes back many years in the uh, Midwest Chicago area. He knows the current owner of the company because it's it's changed hands a, a little bit over the years. But he's hauled he's hauled their cars for many years as well. So I always like talking to these people because they have great car stories to talk about and to tell you. And it's, it's really cool that the amount of people they get to know and the really cool kind of cars they get to haul. I, I think it's, it's always exciting. So, so Lou, when you, next time you get your, your Viper shipped over to your, your Casa in uh, Arizona, make sure you talk to the shipper and see what kind of stories he can regale you with. <laughs> well, I've got, uh, uh, while you're doing that, I pulled up a little Reggie Jackson information. He collects Fords, Porsches, Hot Rods, Corvettes, Mustangs, Chevys, Mopars, and more. Well, you a little bit of everything well, then. A little bit of everything. Apparently, uh, Reggie hasn't hasn't seen a car he doesn't like uh, uh, if they're a nice classic. Oh, yeah. He's got some cool. I know he's, he's uh, I, I think he's been selling some stuff recently in the last few years, but I don't know how big his collection is, but I know that it uh, that he is a car guy and that that's totally cool. So wanted to uh, tell you about that. So my car is uh, on consignment right now. We'll see how long it'll take to sell. And a couple of cars that I had uh, seen on the road. I don't really know how to describe this first one. I called it kind of a dune buggy slash cage car it looked like it was a homebrew thing but it was driving on the road so it was licensed and street legal it just kind of looked like um one of these more modern dune buggies which is actually kind of like a 
like a cage, like a space frame, you know, tubular cage that you sit in. And it's totally, you know, it's enclosed on the top of the tubes, but, you know, it's open, though. There's no doors or anything on it. And it's got the engine in the back. And it's just a weird thing that you see driving along the the road. So I saw one of those a while back. And then I I know I alluded to this, uh, I think, in our last program, that I finally saw my first C8 Corvette in the flesh. It was a gray with black trim and the what we call the boomerang, which is that 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 uh, decor piece or trim piece on the side uh, mid engine uh, mid part of the car uh, that was in black and it was parked at a, a residence. So it wasn't in motion, but uh, it was a good looking car. I still have to look at one up close and walk around. And I'm still not crazy about the rear end of it, but uh, everything else um look pretty good so um i'm glad that i finally saw one of those in the flesh so that's uh that's always nice to see and i know lou i think you said you've seen a few uh c8s in the wild um recently or in the last month or two matter of fact uh uh this uh, weekend was out eating and right in uh downtown uh geneva uh, a white one uh, rolled through town uh surprisingly lots of porsches on the road uh, a slingshot went by. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, which I think like a hot tub on wheels. Those things are just <laughs> ugly. <laughs> when you see them in real life, they just look like a hot tub from the front. I, They're just so now, wide and weird looking. Now, you say wide and weird looking. I say straight out of Star Wars. I think it's super cool. So, um, uh, this saw a slingshot. What else did I see that was riding down the road? Uh, there was a 69... RS Corv, uh, Camaro that was a uh, nice blue color uh, sitting locally here and um, orange Chevy Nova probably about a 64 wow, you know, well, okay. well 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 resto modded kind of a, a bright orange uh, you know night nice uh, kept kept all of its normal trim uh, some nice um, polished aluminum wheels, so it wasn't overdone. Slightly raked, leaning forward a little bit, and uh, uh, nicely done. Cool. That's good. It's always uh, fun to see. And, and and since, you know, we don't want to talk, you know, everyone's having what they call pandemic fatigue these days. But, um, you know, the thing that I've noticed since there's no car shows, and I think it's really, it's a nice change of pace, actually, is every time I'm on the road, especially like on a weekend or a nice day, whether I'm driving, you know, one of my daily drivers like the Fiat or if I'm in the Impala or whatever, I just see a lot of uh, car guys and gals uh, out on, out in their collector cars just going for a ride. And that's great. And, and it's just so nice to actually see those cars in motion for a change instead of just seeing them parked at a car show. Because I always like to see stuff in motion and moving and hearing it and things like that. And it's just exciting to uh, to. Uh, People are kind of rediscovering, you know, just going out for a Sunday drive, so to speak. So, um, and I, we're definitely going to see that throughout the the, the summer and, and definitely uh, into the fall here in the Midwest. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to tell your friends about us. We're available on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also check us out online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter and email address, of course. That is open 24-7 for your your comments, your uh, suggestions, your complaints, your kudos, whatever you got for us. Send it along to Report at hotmail.com. 
Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou, the uh, latest uh, iteration of the uh, Porsche Porsche 911 has uh, been uh, out now for a few months. It's called the 992. It's been in production. Of course, the 911 has been in production for 56 years. And this uh, this summary uh, comes from Automobile Magazine online uh, since the Porsche with every, uh, the 911 with every version, generation, whatever you want to call it, the car gets better, it gets faster, it actually gets bigger too. It gets a little wider, a little lower, a little longer, uh, more power, things like that. But of course, the price goes up too. And now the uh, base model uh, 911 is getting uh, scarily close to $100,000 as a, as a base price. And of course, as we've talked about before on the program uh, with a Porsche, you can easily eclipse that $100,000 base price by just adding a, a couple of options, which you wouldn't even think would be options on other cars. Uh, they're standard on other cars, but not on a Porsche. You can easily add twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in the blink of an eye with, uh, with options. So Automobile Magazine came up with some alternatives to the new 911, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And feel free to jump in at any time, Lou, because I know that you will definitely have some uh, some opinions about this. One of the alternatives to a new 911 is, of course, and it's pretty obvious, the Chevy Corvette C8, uh, ranging in price from sixty thousand. If you're really going to be able to buy one for sixty, remains to be seen. Up to maybe about seventy-seven thousand, and then upwards from that. Uh, I think the 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 C8 is a pretty good uh, competitor to the 911. Um, it won't have the build quality. I still think it's not going to have the build quality as the Porsche. It's not going to have the the long term. You know, it's too early to to tell how reliable the new C8 is going to be with the mid engine configuration, um, the first uh, dual clutch gearbox that they made, things like that. So, I mean, Porsche has the the, the PDK, the dual clutch gearbox down pat. But, um, you know, Chevy's uh, got the pushrod V8 down pat, too. So uh, pros and cons there. But uh, definitely the, the Corvette is a, is a strong contender, especially when you factor in price uh, against the 911. Another uh, Porsche versus Porsche here, the 718 Cayman slash Boxster. Um, and those are getting pretty pricey. Uh, they've got a new version of the uh, of the uh, 718 out now called the uh, I think it's called the GT, and it's got um, actually some componentry from the 911, and that that car is getting dangerously close to a hundred thousand um, dollars. So I you you wonder that you know manufacturers have to be careful when they have a car like a Cayman and a 911, and they start getting real close in price and performance, you still have to keep your marquee car, which is the 911, above that. Uh, so you don't want to cannibalize. I mean, of course, the sales are going to the same company, so that's good, but it's never good to cannibalize one thing in your lineup for another thing in your lineup necessarily. But um, do you have any experience with a Cayman? Because I've always been kind of intrigued by them. I think the Cayman, which is the the coupe version of the Boxster, the Boxster is the, the convertible, um, have you ever ridden in one, Lou, or 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 talked to people that have owned one? Yeah, I've ridden in I've ridden in a Boxster, and um, this is probably going back to about I want to say 2005, and I was impressed with its with its rail like handling. Mm-hmm. Felt like you were on a roller coaster; you're just on rails. Uh, it was not very fast. Um, well, the earlier ones weren't as quick as they are now. 
because yeah. the performance it, it, now is, I mean, it, 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 they're almost nip and tuck with the 911. It's amazing. So, yeah, they've they've changed that whole game up. I, you, don't, the, you know, I, I've always felt that you wanted to at least see the engine at some point. I mean, <laughs> um, you, you know, there's no there's no chance of that with no. the, for the Boxster. Uh, so that's the, that's my only grief. My, my, I don't know if I say grief. Maybe that was the right Ripe. word. <laughs> that's my only grief with the, with the Porsche <laughs> is I really think that. You know, and I'll use Ferrari as an example. You know, Ferrari uses the engine as a as the specialty spot, right? Sure. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, with the glass uh, hatch. And, I mean, Corvette's doing that, too, right? Though they're putting a, a see-through uh, engine lid on the, on the C8. It, yeah, it's an option for the car. Lamborghini does it. And I just wish Porsche would, especially because they do such a nice job with the engines. You know, first of all, because usually they're different looking than the ones that we're familiar with. You know, and... Um, I, I don't know that that's my that's my only thing and and I would have uh, um, a difficult time spending that money and for some reason and, and <laughs> not being able to look at the engine if I can't look at the engine I mean I know yeah. that sounds like a really silly response but uh, uh, and even if you want to okay you know we're not going to let you touch the engine because we're the only specialized Porsche dealers that can even touch the engine yeah. I get that. But then show it to us. Put a glass, you know, put a... Put there a wouldn't be much glass. to see, though. I mean, there's hardly anything to see on a, on a 911 motor right now either, though. I mean, it's it, it's not what it used to be. And no. with the with the mid-engine, like you're saying, it's like the old 914 with the, with the Volkswagen engines in there. You had this little, uh, you know, narrow, not even a foot-wide lid that would lift up right behind the... Um, the rear window and you'd see like, you know, the air cleaner and maybe some spark plug wires and that was it. <laughs> so it's, uh, well, I'll, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just trying to beat up the Porsche. No, I understand. Know. No, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, it, it all depends on, on what you're into. I mean, there's Porsche guys that probably don't give a damn about what the engine looks like. Cause they just know that it's powerful and reliable and fast, but you know, you're a visual kind of guy and, 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 and doing your videos on your YouTube channel, it's all about visuals and, and colors and, and things like that. And if you can't see anything, and, and like you said, if you're paying 80 grand for something, you want to be able to see the, the guts of what makes this thing 80 grand. So it's not uh, an off base comment, I don't think at all. So, well, well, I'm going to use the example of, you know, I have a Jaguar and I, and I'm disappointed with when you, I call it when I pop the hood, I see another hood. Oh, yeah, because all you see is the big plastic thing that just says Jaguar on it, and it covers o- over the, all, the whole engine. You can't enjoy it at all. Right, right. So, you know, do I enjoy the car? Is the car a great driving car? I think it's one of the best grand touring cars I've ever been in, period. But um, um, at the same time, I, I mean, I love the fact of how it drives and rides and feels and the fact that it's convertible and, you know, it's all everything's perfect it's the same thing with a porsche you drop the top on one of those 911s if you got the cabriolet and it's just enjoyable and it makes the right sounds and you know so that's that's all that's all good stuff it's just so that's my only beef especially when you're when you're paying that much money now back to the topic at hand would i still pay the money even though i'm not seeing the engine if i had that money and it was i'll call it disposable probably yeah I mean, it, it, you know, the people who buy Porsches probably have that as disposable income, and they go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to sacrifice this, but 
I'm at a point in my life where I'm mature enough that I don't really care about the engine anyway. I'm just going to bring it to the mechanic when it tells me to bring it to the mechanic. So I'm just going to enjoy the car and, and drive it and enjoy it. So um, my my beef, I would call it in a, in a grading category, is it an A priority? No, it's probably in the C or D category, but still that's, that's the only thing I have versus a Chevrolet Camaro or, or a Corvette or something where I can see the engine uh, and I uh, or a Mustang or, or Ferrari or Lamborghini or something like that. I, I give them props for uh, showing the engine. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. And uh, the Cayman that I alluded to before is the GT4 is the new one, the top spec for 2020. And just to show you how close they are to the to the uh, 911 in performance, uh, the it, the GT4 Cayman has a four liter naturally aspirated flat six, which is actually pretty cool because you can't even get a naturally aspirated uh, engine in a 911 unless you go way up to like one of the GT3s or something like that, which is like two hundred thousand dollars. But uh, the GT4 Cayman rated at four hundred and fourteen horsepower, three hundred nine pound feet of torque. The uh, new 911 is 443 horsepower and 390 pound-feet of torque for the Carrera S. And um, it's, you know, those numbers are pretty close. And if you factor in the fact that the uh, Cayman is a little bit less, it does make it a, you know, a compelling alternative, I think, to the 911. And that's what uh, we're talking about right now is the the best competitors to the new 911 in case you don't want to actually get a brand-new Porsche, some of the other uh, cars to consider. One of them is the Aston Martin Vantage, base price of $156,000. That's got the 4-liter turbo V8 that comes from Mercedes-Benz, which is an incredible engine, of course, with Aston Martin tuning on it. But, um, you know, I don't think Aston Martins are really for everybody. I've never really quite understood when people sit there and compare a, a 911 to an Aston Martin. I think they're kind of two different animals. I really do. Um, I think one that would be actually closer to the Aston Martin than the 911 is is the next car on the list, and it alludes to what you were just talking about about your Jaguar, the Jaguar F-Type. Now, that's the the smaller um, coupe that uh, Jaguar introduced. You can get it in a whole bunch of different flavors. you can get uh, the the top of the flight is a five liter supercharged V eight with five hundred and seventy five horsepower. Uh, they range in price if you get the V six sixty two grand up to about one hundred and twenty seven thousand or even a little bit more. Um, I think that would be a, a a competitor actually to the Aston Martin instead of the nine eleven. Um, but again, it's. Um, I guess it's what you're looking for. I don't think you're going to get the build quality again with the, with the, either with the Jaguar or the Aston Martin and long-term reliability or just durability with those two cars. It's hard to say because Porsches are just known for just being almost bulletproof. And there's so many people that just pound the crap out of them on the weekends and, you know, at the track. And then they, they just, you know, it's their daily driver and they drive it to work. And, and as long as they change the oil, you know, you're good. So, um, Another uh, possible 911 um, uh, competitor, and this one, again, um, you'll probably come up with some compelling reasons why it is. The uh, Ford Mustang Shelby GT350, GT500, or the GT350R, ranging in price from sixty-one dollars to $75,000. Now, those are you know, more competitors to like maybe a Hellcat or a, a Camaro ZL1, probably. But, um, again, if you're looking for high horsepower, brute speed, things like that, 
I mean, what would you do, Lou, if someone said, here, you can have your pick of a 911 or a, or a Ford Mustang Shelby GT500, and if you pick the Mustang, you get to keep the difference in cash. What would you do? Well, I, I want to, first of all, I love the topic. Um, and, and I'm going to go back to, so I, I'm, I'm at dinner, and uh, my wife's there. She's busy talking to our maid of honor, and I'm fortunate He's sitting next to a Porsche guy who just got done telling me about his Porsche and how it's, you know, back on the road. And, <laughs> um, and that's great. Uh, but as we looked out and we we're, you know, we specifically positioned ourselves in the restaurant uh, outdoor area to look at the cars. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Right Lou, do we have to do this every time we go out to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just I just tell her that I want to see the car. You know, I want to see our car. I want to make sure nothing happens to it. I use that as an excuse. But uh, um, my point is that uh, um, there probably was, I'm going to say, minimally six Porsches that drove through. So I think wow. the Porsche. Where where, the Porsche, where the hell were you eating dinner there, Lou? Uh, <laughs> right, right, on, right on Third Street, right where they have the Geneva Concourse. Okay, okay. And we're talking about Geneva, Illinois, ladies and gentlemen, not Geneva, Switzerland. So just in case yes, you think Geneva, that Illinois, Lou's this really right, high-flying guy. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned a couple of things. The Aston Martin and the Jaguar are not purchased as, I'll call it, frequently driven as cars the Porsche, oh, as the Porsche is. yeah so i i found the porsche although enjoyable to watch because i saw so many unmemorable mm -hmm. and i can remember that there was one white c8 that drove through you know i can remember there was a slingshot that drove through um you know so so i think it gets to the point where are you looking for mainstream sophistication comfortability or do you want to get to the unmainstream sophistication like an aston martin uh, or like the jaguar because all the cars pretty much today are pretty reliable i mean you know the the hundred thousand mile tune-ups or sixty thousand mile tune-ups or whatever well the hundred thousand mile tune-ups but the sixty thousand mile guarantees and all this other stuff sure, yeah, the warranties yeah but back to your question, Mustang versus Porsche. <laughs> um, and then and, and then you added a nice tip in, which was, and then you get the money back difference. <laughs> if, I think, if you get the Mustang, yeah. <laughs> I think if, if, if that was the parameters, you know, high-end Mustang, and let's not forget the Mach 1 that just came out, but the high-end Mustang, the GT350, or uh, I would actually probably go with the American car mm -hmm. and the cash back versus the, I'll call it run-of-the-mill base Porsche. Oh, we're going to get flamed here from the Porsche files, but uh, Car Guys Report hey, at Hotmail.com. Make that a real Hotmail there, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and when they get ready to, <laughs> to, to fire, which is fine, just go to mycarstorywithlou.com or go to, better yet, Go to YouTube and punch in My Car Story with Lou Porsche, and you'll see I have tons of them that I like on the channel. Matter of fact, I'm actually going to check that as we're speaking. One thing I, one th I, I know 40, where you're coming from. 46, there are 46 Porsches on the channel, so clearly it's not that I don't like Porsches. I think, just, you wait, know, now that I've owned a 911 for two years, and one thing I've noticed is the fact that 
you know, even if you're not a car person at all, people know what that car is, though. And to the average person, it's not run of the mill. And, you know, maybe to a car guy, I know what you're saying, totally. But if you're um, just a normal, like, you know, like a neighbor would, would, would see the 911, they, they know that it's a Porsche because it's the iconic, you know, what, what to most people is the iconic Porsche. And to them, that, that represents a strata and a level of performance or prestige or whatever you want to call it that not everyone can attain or, or have a chance to own. So um, yeah. not that people are buying Porsches for that. I think maybe some do. I bought it just because I've always wanted a 911. I don't regret my decision in, in one iota at all. But, I, I mean, that's, that's the kind of experience I get because when people see my Aston Martin – they don't always know what it is, and they think it's a Jaguar because it looks very similar to a Jaguar XK8, which was designed by Ian Cullum as well back at the same time. And um, is that a good thing or a bad thing when people don't know what it is? Yeah, maybe, but, you know, they, they know it's some kind of cool car, but they just don't know what it is. Obviously, a Mustang, especially a GT350 or GT500, I think you're going to know what that is just because it's a pretty badass-looking car. So let's stay, let's stay on the topic. So I just decided to take it a step further, and I punched in Porsche 911. It turns out I have 31 of them on the channel, um, and, and obviously of different years. Oh, yeah. Um, but, my, but my point is, um, so let's take you. you. You're a guy with a couple of cars. You got the 911, and, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but you got the 911 because you had some of the other cars, and you said, you know what, got a little discretionary income, I'm going to buy this Porsche. I've always wanted one. So it wasn't the first choice. Well, it was, was it was choice. on my long-term list of wanting that right. car. And right. and I it's mean, like, I, I mean, 20 years ago, Lou, I always had wanted, you know, an Alpha Spider for the longest time because I just think it was the quintessential, you know, Italian roadster. And that's when I, you know, 20 years ago when I bought my Spider and I, held, I, I owned it for 17 years, which is a long time. I've always liked a 911. I mean, back from even junior high, you know, 45 years ago, I've always enjoyed, you know, wanted a, a, some sort of Porsche, but preferably a 911 because to me that is the classic Porsche. And, you know, the, everything finally aligned a couple of years ago when I was ready to pull the trigger. And that's why I got it because I was at the point where, you know, they've been refined even further. They're they're just, you know, better cars than, a, than one from 30 years ago. And... If you buy them used, you get them at a good price, and you know that that's the way I looked at it. I didn't buy it because of the prestige. I bought it because two reasons. I wanted a 911 for a long time, and I wanted to make sure that I I finally owned one so I could enjoy it. And it, like I said, I have no regrets whatsoever. It's not like with the Corvette that I bought a year ago. I'm over that, but I'm not at all over the 911. And I mean, that's just that's me. But you know, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think when Lou, let's just you know, hopefully people will continue to subscribe to the channel after I said this. The Porsche, the Porsche people might not, but, but that's fine. The, all the other American car companies will will love it. But my point is, you know, if it gets to the point where, you know, I have that discretionary income, um, you know, that that would I get a Porsche? The answer is yes. So I'm not saying it wouldn't be yes, but pose with the question of which one I'd rather have and the cash involved yeah. uh, to drive down the road. 
I, I would choose the Mustang. Now, if you use some other cars, I might choose the Porsche. Like if you said, Lou, would you rather have the uh, Porsche 911 or a brand new Rolls Royce? I think it's called Cullion. The oh, SUV. the Cullinan SUV. Yeah, well, that's that. Those are apples I, and oranges. I would have but... no. I would have no interest in that thing whatsoever. <laughs> so it would be this. You know, but your wife would, would though. And, <laughs> and, I, and I would say keep the money between the two differences because it wouldn't matter to me. I'd rather take the Porsche. So, but wouldn't your uh, wife want the Cullinan? Well, probably, but uh, <laughs> but that you're asking me right now, so. Um, <laughs> Anyway, now I you know let, let's change let's change it around a little bit. How about a car that I do think is pretty cool as an SUV? You know, so let's take the Lamborghini Urus. Oh, I right? love that car. Yeah, I think that is just okay. awesome. So, so that's pretty cool. Now, if you ask me this question, would I go with the Lamborghini Urus? at two hundred and forty thousand, or rather have a new nine eleven? I'd pick the nine eleven. Really, and you don't have to worry about the money. Yeah, because I'd actually. To your point, I'd prefer the driving experience in the Porsche rather than, you know, okay, I'm in a fast SUV. I'm not interested in a fast SUV, no matter what the price okay. is. So, so I was going to say so, that's a fast SUV, like unlike any other SUV out there, though. So it's a lot, it. <laughs> it is a little I, different. I, I get it. I understand. And it's got a lot of Porsche DNA in it, too, because of ownership of Lamborghini by Audi, VW, you know, so... But, but but I'd rather I'd rather have the in my opinion nimbleness, you know. And I know people say, "Well, Lamborghini Urus has a lot of nimbleness." Yes, but it's still a it, truck. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 an SUV, and I get it. We've got bigger brakes, bigger ceramic this, you know, bigger rotors, all that stuff. It might even be able to out corner it, but I wouldn't care. I'd still rather drive the 911 than 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 the Lamborghini yeah. Urus now. But, Back to the question: If if money becomes no object, would Lou drive a Lamborghini Urus? Heck yeah! <laughs> I'd like to see yeah. you in one of those. That would be really pretty funny because I'm used to sure seeing you every now and then. What do you have? The the Ford? Uh, what do you have? An Escape? Yeah, I, yeah, I drive an I drive I drive an Explorer. Yeah, right. So you know, so when I'm not driving something cool, I'm driving you know Middle America. Yeah, but, you know, I'm driving I'm driving a police trooper. Is yeah. what I'm driving. Yeah, but it's still kind of dorky. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm driving. I'm driving typical police cruiser. Uh, no one would ever see me in a car. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. But again, the, the the topic was you know alternatives to the 911. We just ran through a few of them. There were a couple others on the list that didn't really you know I, I don't think they belong on there. Uh, more specialty kind of. Uh, factory edition race cars and things like that but the new 911 though has gotten great reviews and um i mean every car is getting expensive these days too i mean that's what i always say that you know the average price now is thirty eight thousand dollars for a new car i mean that's a lot of money and um and that's just for you know like a your average car whatever your average car is going to be whether it's an suv or a toyota camry or something like that so yeah i I feel sorry for for you know, these young people that are coming out of college and, you know, how much that is. And now you're trying to buy a car and you're maybe trying to start a family and it's getting very rough. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, I'm still a big proponent, although I will contradict myself 
in the next episode when we talk on a topic that you'll be excited about, but I can't divulge it yet, um, that <laughs> buying a used car, buying a used car that's only a couple years old or even five years old, you get depreciation working in your favor big time. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. like you were saying, you know, most cars these days, they're built, the tolerances, modern cars, the tolerances, the reliability, pretty much everything is down pat. And buying a car, even five-year-old car with fifty or sixty thousand miles on it, is nothing. And that car could easily give you ten, ten to fifteen years of service, depending on how much you drive it. And right. you're going to be saving at least, in most cases, at least fifty percent off of, of of a new price. So there's a lot of advantages to that too. But um, anyway, uh, that was a good topic. Wanted to uh, definitely talk about that. And we we're just talking about SUVs. This uh, is the natural segue, Lou, to our next uh, uh, point here on the program, the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Uh, we're at the point in the program where we like to talk about a car that's either been uh, sold or spotted for sale online and, and always interesting things floating around out there. Uh, Hemmings.com is one of the go-to places. And, of course, bringatrailer.com, an auction site that's very popular. And this one, I didn't, admittedly, I didn't do any any background checks on the builders of this one. And that's obviously why it, it garnered such an unbelievable price. But it was a Ring Brothers 1972 Chevrolet K5 Blazer. Now, those are the classic Blazers from the early 70s, the ones that look kind of just like slightly shorter, downsized um, uh, pickup trucks from Chevrolet. They have the rounded yeah. fender wells. Great looking vehicle. Ring Brothers as far as I know, they're, they're, they're obviously builders, custom builders. And this thing, I mean, for the price that this sold for, and we'll get to the price in a minute, I just was surprised that it didn't really, I, you know, I was expecting to have like a, you know, an LT4, some, you know, modern fuel-injected awesome V8 in it. It just had a regular 350 V8 uh, paired with a 4L80 e-trans, which is, you know, a good transmission, but... Um, you know, nothing super unbelievable. Uh, you see those in a lot of resto mods these days. The thing looks spectacular. I mean, it's it's totally brand new, but it's still, as I wrote in my notes here, it's still a K5 Blazer. And this thing sold, Lou, and I put down as well sold. This Ring Brothers 1972 Chevy Blazer sold for $300,000. And I just can't wrap my head around that because it's like... Talk about yeah. disposable income, three hundred grand. I mean, I don't really don't well, care who built it. I mean, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from these Ring Brothers guys because, like I said, I didn't do any research on them. But they're 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 out of Wisconsin. They're very well known. Yeah, they've been in Reynolds Garage. They also they're so creative because this make, thing doesn't look anything. I mean, it's got a, a slight a hood Ram Air type hood scoop on it. But the body isn't flared out or customized at all, and it's got some, you know, chrome uh, steps on the side, and you know that the front end is 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 stock, nice and chrome, nice egg crate grille, and some, you know, knobby tires with some uh, aluminum rims on it. But it doesn't look like it's it's over restored or or like jazzed up somehow. And well, where, where um, do they get the three hundred thousand? Just their reputation. Well, uh, I think it is reputation. Those guys are very well known for doing some, you know, it would be like a chip foos car build. Sure, or yeah. Um, and as you build those reputations, then you pay for the, you know, just like you pay for a Maybach, right? You you know that 
you know, it's a Mercedes upgrade, but... But at the end of the day, it's still a, a Chevy K5 Blazer. I don't know what they did. I don't know if this had a custom frame or suspension on it, but it still looks, to me, pretty much stock, except for the hood. Well, um, the, yeah, I, 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 you know, we'd have to... But to answer your question, obviously sold because of the name behind it. That, yeah. Um, uh, am I surprised with the 300000 Yes. Um, at the same time, um, when people, you, you, you hit it on the head earlier when you said disposable income, the people who take their car and love it or take it to Phantom Works or, you know, they're going to pay top dollar to get, you know, those cars or, or you know, uh, Kindig or Foose or, um, you know, Jeff Schwartz, Schwartz Performance is a friend. We put some of his cars online. And they do some amazing things. And I'll give, I'll give you one example of amazing things. I was just up at Schwartz Performance, and they showed me an interior, which the car is online right now. It's a 70 Chevelle convertible with a 598 cubic inch engine. Going back to what you said, it was really amazing engine with all this horsepower, 900 plus horsepower, and it was a convertible. But the amazing piece to me, besides of all that stuff, <clears throat> and they do put it on a special frame, by the way, an aluminum frame. But, mm-hmm. but the point I want to make is, so when I got in the car, I said, tell me about this dashboard and the dashboard was a 200 pound piece of aluminum that was computer cut out yeah, CNC. It looked like a regular mm-hmm. aluminum dashboard and it was so unique and different that i can just you know that piece was i'll call it a pretty penny so to speak <laughs> so, besides being a nice dashboard and you know those numbers are somewhat mind-boggling but when people want that one of one so sure. unique you know it, it's it's like almost purchasing art you know you and i are looking at a, a, a you know if, if someone did a did a art studio and asked lou and mark vernon to walk through it we would have no idea what's the million dollar painting and what's the ten dollar painting well, i watch enough antiques roadshow and, and sometimes you know my girlfriend and i are saying that's worth how much you know exactly. and you're looking at it like we don't get it. We'd walk right past that in a state sale, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah. So my Beauty and is, value in the eye of the beholder. That's exactly it. That's where I was going. And, you know, I mean, this, this Ring Brothers, I'm just looking at a black and white uh, a picture of it. Um, of course, they had colored pictures online, but, I mean, the paint looks spectacular. It's, it's like black, and it just looks very deep and rich and everything. But, I mean, I still say at the end of the day, it's still a K5 Blazer. 300 grand is just a lot of money for something like that. And you can't obviously drive it off-road or enjoy it at all because the car is just too valuable. I mean, that's the shame of it, you know, unless you've got a private compound somewhere. And even then, you'd, I, I don't even think you'd want to get this thing dirty because it's that nice and for that kind of money. So I just saw that, and I'm like, that's the kind of stuff that you get to see occasionally on on uh, Bring a Trailer, well, big money Big money stuff like that. Well, Mark, I hope that one day Lou has a private compound. <laughs> and I will tell you, if Lou has a private compound, I will buy a $300,000 blazer for me and you to drive it on my private cool. compound. Cool, and we'll invite the Ring Brothers over for a barbecue. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Honest, guys, you know, we didn't really mean anything bad about what we said on the podcast. All is forgiven, right? So, um, but definitely well uh, sold. I- yeah, I think they. I, I've seen some of their work, and it's it's. Uh, oh, I'm sure it's top notch. I mean. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really the, the cat's meow. I mean, it's it'll make you wow. Cool. 
That's good to know. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and uh, hopefully that you do because you're listening to it right now, be sure to check out some of the other programs available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the uh, program Free Kicks. It's an OPI show. Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth discuss all the latest in the world of soccer. You can listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And that's where you'll find us. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. We're in the middle of uh, this episode here and wanted to uh, talk about this uh, topic. It's funny because I saw this online the other day. And I was thinking, okay, that sounds like it might be a fun um, topic to talk about. And we're going to divide it into two parts because there's about 25 um, uh, cars that they that they mentioned. Uh, and this year, this would be cars named after places. And it doesn't have to be a, a – it could be a country, a region, a state, uh, an area. You know, it's not really specifically uh, a city even, uh, not real – uh, specifically um, designated. So, and it's amazing how many of the, the the names are on there. So, All right, so do you want me to start, me, or you want to just start but, guessing? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the list. Just for clarity, and we're doing so two me, parts. So, don't try to guess too many because next episode we're going to do part two of this list. But I'll mark okay. them off. You know, if you want to, and you'll probably have some that they didn't even have on the list, which is usual. And that's one reason we like to do lists on this show is because invariably we either disagree with some of the stuff on the list, or it's like, how could they leave that off? So, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to start with one for some reason that's at the top of mind, the Monaco, the Dodge Monaco. Uh, I think that was uh, that was definitely on the list. I don't know if I – because I kind of like picked and choose. So here it is. Yeah, it is on the list. I had it in part two, the Dodge Monaco. Yep. And that was a, a classic police car, too. They used a lot of those in uh, in uh, police work. Okay. You got, you got some other guesses here? Because I'm ready to – I don't remember the Chevy Chicago. I don't remember <laughs> that one. I don't think they ever made that one, Lou. <laughs> I, I've never been to Cobra. I've never been to I've never been to Cobra yet, so it's still on my list of places to go. Um, you know, it's funny. This is tougher for me to guess than I Top originally of the mind, thought. Yeah, because then once you start the list, though, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it just really starts coming. I'll just start reading at at random. These aren't in any kind well, of order. Well, well is, is one a New Yorker? Is that what? Uh, well, the Chrysler New Yorker would definitely be on here. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so it is on there, the Chrysler New Yorker? Yeah. Okay. All right, how about, uh, give me just a moment to think here. I don't want to slow down the show. Um, all right, you give me one, and I'll think if I come up the, with The uh, Dodge Dakota. That was a pickup truck. God, I never would have guessed that, obviously. And you probably yeah. won't guess this one, even though it's a, it's a current car. The Kia Rio. Oh, wow. Rio, yeah. obviously being sure. you know, Brazil. Rio. Rio. Um, sure. The Chevy... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the Chevy Bel Air. Really? Yeah, Bel Air, California. I, didn't, I, didn't, <sighs> I never thought of that. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, there's not a Chevy Cavalier. There's not a Chevy Corvette. There's a handful of Buicks. Some of them are new, but this is an older Buick. The Buick starts with an R. Ren- Renata. The oh, oh the, the the Buick Riata, but that would be a boat race. This would be, or that'd be a regatta, actually. But uh, no, the Buick Riviera. So again, okay. it gets down to that. You know, it's not necessarily 
it's not a it, not always a state or a country or whatever it can yeah, be a region yeah, like yeah, the Riviera, yeah. French Riviera, things like that. Yeah, now this sure. one's pretty obvious, the Ferrari California. <laughs> and that's uh the one with the retractable hard top and kind of a kind of a bland looking Ferrari actually uh so, as so they say, the Ferrari Daytona would be like Daytona Beach. Uh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Things like that. So that's why this is that's what makes this list fun because it's got a lot of different things on it. The GMC Denali, which is uh, part of Alaska, and this one you probably wouldn't guess, Lou, because I didn't even know this. That remember that that terrible, terrible car that Ford made in the late seventies uh, at the low point of U.S. car quality, the Ford Fairmont. Now that is a, a name of a city, and yeah. I think it's good that we forgot about a ford fairmont although didn't, didn't you have a turbo fairmont or something on your channel that you've talked about before i i do have a 1984 ford fairmont futura turbo yeah oddball car yeah that's the one i remember yeah, yeah it's very very challenging to try to find one in this condition i'll tell you that a couple of um a couple of arizona names here lou since you have a, a chateau out there the kia sedona yeah, sedona okay. is part of our arizona isn't it Sedona. Yes, Sedona is a great place known for their red rock. Okay. Chevy Tahoe, great skiing. And the Hyundai Tucson, which uh, my dad actually owned a Hyundai Tucson. So uh, those are, it seems like Kia likes naming their cars after after places because they they show up a lot on this list. Now, this is one that, that, that I totally forgot about, and this is going back a ways. The Cadillac Calais, C-A-L-A-I-S. That's a region in never, France. Never would have guessed that. And that was, uh, the Calais was slotted below the Coupe de Ville in the Cadillac lineup. So um, that's just a little bit of interesting uh, uh, tidbit there. And three more for um, the first half of this list, the Chevy, Chevy Cheyenne pickup truck. The Dodge Aspen. Remember the Aspens back oh, in the yeah. like late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. They made four door. There was another car I think that became a police car. Uh, they made a, a wagon, and then this was my pick on on part one of the list: the Ford Cortina, which uh, is a city uh, in Italy. And I just wrote down cool because I always thought Ford Cortinas are really neat cars, and. Um, they were imported here mildly, like in the 60s, uh, but you don't see them hardly at all. And they were more popular, obviously, in, uh, in Europe, but um, definitely uh, a, very, uh, a very cool car. And uh, like I said, now that your, your brain is percolating, uh, f- when we uh, get to part two of uh, the list in our next episode... You can probably have some more, but you did hit the Dodge Monaco and the uh, and the Chrysler New Yorker, so that was good, and um, shows that you're you know you're thinking, Lou, and that's what counts, right? You're well, always I, I, you're always thinking. Those brain cells are always working. What's embarrassing is my first, my very first car was a was a Chevy um, Bel Air, and I can't and, believe and, that. and it totally blanked it out. And yeah, that is it, totally yeah. It happens sometimes. It does. We have sanitized all OPI shows for your protection, but you should still wear a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world while listening to OPI podcasts and also be sure to wash your hands. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. 
On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about the Champions League. Yep, we'll be talking about the bubble in Portugal when they're fighting to get to the final four. Lots of games, and we've got a really good one in Barcelona versus Bayern. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. You f***ed up the script. You f***ed up the script. I didn't f*** up my part of the script. You expected that I did my job, and that was your fatal flaw, Sam. Okay, look, it's creating quality content either way, you know. Oh, are we keeping this? Oh, this is all staying in. Are we keeping this? Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. One topic that I've been wanting to uh, cover briefly, but um, it just shows how complex and uh, actually hard to repair at some point, sometimes uh, new cars can be. This is a Motor Trend currently has a, um, a Subaru Ascent, a 2019 Subaru Ascent uh, that they have as a long-termer. And by the time this show airs, I think their their long term test on the vehicle will probably be over because they keep them for a year usually. But um, they kind of downplayed this in the magazine. But when I saw this online before the print edition came out, they were kind of you know playing this up more. And I don't know how much of this is to blame Subaru as a company. I don't know if it was built on a bad day. I don't know if the service department at the dealers they were going to to try to fix the ailments uh cause the issues but i'll just start reading so you know where i'm coming from uh last uh, spring a, a new york city garage valet scraped the side of the subaru ascent that motor trend has for a long-term uh test and in may a rock chip cracked the windshield so replacement for the windshield was complicated by the fact and again we've talked about this before on the car guys report that aftermarket glass could block or um not make the cameras and things like that work correctly so the dealership has to inspect it and recalibrate it and they actually have to buy the windshield at the dealer because the aftermarket stuff isn't up to the the quality standards for all those uh, electronic devices these things are relatively uneventful they said Uh, then everything went as they say kerflui their one of their Detroit editors was behind the wheel when the dashboard lit up indicating that eyesight and the passenger side airbag were disabled the transmission fluid and check engine lights were also on then he discovered the sunroof had stopped working icing on the cake he backed into a vehicle in a parking lot which affected the sensor in the bumper so the vehicle went to a, a de- an area dealer uh, this is a, almost a year ago this would be september of 2019 they said initial diagnosis was that about six different error codes were responsible for setting off the warnings and a simple reflash of the ecu would not fix it technicians might have to remove parts and panels to install a new wiring harness then they said then radio silence calls were infrequently returned a month or two later they at, at the end of october one part had come in a regional factory representative would later tell them that against all subaru service policy guidelines the vehicle sat for weeks before anything was ordered and the whole experience was far outside corporate standards hence 
call executive customer service. Uh, they slid into last November with no car and no answers. A scheduled call with the service manager was canceled, and we were told the Subaru uh, to work with Subaru at corporate level to get answers. So the thing has like, become this total nightmare for them last year. They got the car back in mid-November. Three separate issues had been revol- resolved. The body-integrated unit caused the dash to light up, prevented communication with eyesight, and affected the sunroof and locks. The lower dash trim was removed to install the new BIU, which restored communication and sunroof functions, but EyeSight and the locks were still not functioning. Issue number two turned out to be a problem with the EyeSight connector, which may have been damaged when the windshield was replaced. The headliner and A-pillar were removed to install a new roof harness. Dash, instrument panel, and carpets remained intact. Technicians also replaced a blown fuse. The third item of business was to replace a damaged reverse automatic braking sensor and brackets in the bumper from the slow speed slow speed collision the rip-ups left their mark a few weeks later the car was being scheduled for more service the driver's seat belt was no longer height adjustable and there was no heat coming from the lower vents and the trim covering the wiring the a-pillar fell off and was hanging inside the vehicle Uh, no issues were found with the hvac system the car was then transferred to a collision shop to fix the scrapes left by the valet earlier in the year um they picked up the the ascent early this year, 2020, and attempted to throw the new plates in the back because the old ones had expired. The rear hatch would not open, so the car went right back to the service bay where a tech shut down the battery and re- rebooted the car and reset the liftgate height. Um, I mean, this is just unbelievable, and it's not just the fact that, you know, these parts for whatever reason malfunction but then when the dealer goes in there whoever's working on the car starts ripping stuff apart taking off you know headliners or or dash panels or rooting around in the dash it shows how many other problems can crop up and why it would need a new wiring harness i can't figure out because to me a wiring harness has wires and connectors and things like that but if it's installed how does it go bad a wire just sitting there is not going to go bad unless it's overloaded or burnt or something. And I could see how a connector could get damaged. But it's just, I mean, I read this thing. And like I said, they kind of toned it down in the print edition of the magazine. But to me, Lou, it just shows, points up once again, how interconnected all the computers and all the electronics are in modern vehicles. And one thing can lead to another. And if I was if I was an owner of this vehicle and that happened to me as an owner, not as a magazine, I mean, I would just be livid. The way well, that, that they were treated by the dealer and then, and then the way that even Subaru just kind of seemed to be a little lackadaisical, I think, in their in their response because they shouldn't have a car for three, three or four months. I mean, I went through my thing with the Fiat, but it wasn't anything like this. And well, it's certainly making you feel better about your Fiat. I'll no, you it that. is. Yeah. I mean, a coolant leak um, versus all this electronic garbage. So, so what did, did they say? What type of model Subaru this was? It's an ascent. It's like a, um, it's a, it's like a, a tall a wagon, small SUV that they make. Okay. Well, um, now, if you ask me the question, if we go back earlier in the program, would I rather have a 911 than a Subaru? <laughs> different? I'd pick the 911. Of course you would. So, um, but, uh, um, boy, that, that you know, I, I have nothing to add to what you just I, said. I mean, I was, I was just reading that. I'm like, I can't believe this, that all this is happening. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, 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 it's scary because I always... Even with the Corvette, when the when the heater core went out, and this is a car that was 28 years old, I'm like, okay, well, 
the service place is going to have to root around in the dashboard to replace the heater core, and hopefully they're not going to hit something or knock something loose that's going to cause another problem yeah. under the dashboard. Because that's why I always hate working on dashboards, because you can fix one problem and cause three other problems. And these are on cars that aren't even interconnected and networked like the modern cars. And, I mean, there's no excuse when they when, when a dealer or anybody has to start ripping off door panels and, and AC pillar covers and, and things like that and not taking the time to make sure everything is put back in place correctly tightly with no damage because nobody wants their interior to be you know subjected to that in the first place and if they're going to do that be careful with it don't just sit there and, and act like oh well they're not going to notice this we'll just bang that back into place but well there's yeah there's a couple of things one is there sounds like obvious obviously neglect in the service team as, as it sounded like it yeah so but the other thing is the, the only time i've ever driven a subaru um, it was a Forester. No, it might have been an Outback. Yeah. It, I can remember my friend was over, and he just bought it. So it was relatively new in the last couple of years, and it was really snowing hard when they got here. And he said, Lou, you got to pick up your son. Take our Forester, because it's all, you know, our, our Outback, it's all four-wheel drive. And you always see the Outback or the thing driving through the snow and, you know, blowing through, blowing through, through the snow, no problem. And uh, the very short story is uh, I did just like the commercial. I drew that thing through the snow like it was a bat out of hell. Cool. And I had one of the best times, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, it's uh, fun when you can do that. Yeah, it, w- it was a blast. And um, uh, I had no problems, but, but, you know, we can all share uh, or have heard, hopefully we've heard rather than share, uh, some nightmare stories. Um, I'll, I'll give you a very short one, but I was just talking to someone this week. They had a Cadillac. It was a two-door coupe. Uh, I'm sorry, two-door convertible. And they went to the Cadillac dealer, and the Cadillac dealer said it's going to be $1,700 for this uh, module to get the top to work up and down. It was a yeah. hard top. And, was it the XLS? Yeah, something like that, or you know, the the the, the more uh, sporty two-door, you know. Yeah, because the, the, the Elante, but it's probably the XLS. So what, one of those Which two. is basically a Corvette with a different body on it. Right, and it's funny you say that. So what happened was uh, they said it would take something like six months to get the part because they don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by chance, he took it over to the Chevy dealer, <laughs> and he said he went to breakfast, and before he can put the eggs in his mouth, they called him back and said, it's fixed. Wow. So my point is, sometimes it's neglect on the dealer. Uh, I had an aunt call me up this weekend saying, my car won't start. They can't seem to fix it. I said, go to a different dealer. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that does make the difference. No, it does. I mean, I, especially with an older car, like you're saying, if this was an XLS, which was made almost 20 years ago now, uh, sometimes dealers don't want to deal with, with an oddball car like that, even though they're supposed to you know because it says cadillac on their on their dealer but yeah a lot of times they don't want to they don't want to mess with something like that and it, it, that's why it's good to develop a, a, a relationship either with your dealer or i don't know if you could really ever develop a, a relationship with a service advisor but uh, it's always good to, to, to find a good parts guy somewhere at a dealer or whatever because they can work wonders sometimes and a good parts guy would probably know that maybe there was a cross-reference with the computer 
that um, with the Corvette that would make the top work. So yeah, it's 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 interesting that how that happens sometimes. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, it's been on the back burner um, in my future topics folder for the Car Guys report, and I just wanted to talk about that. And I do get the magazine, so uh, at some point um, they'll have a, a, a you know the wrap up, and we'll see if they had any further problems or anything like that. But certainly didn't make Subaru <laughs> too good in the in the article, so I just wanted to uh, to bring that up as well. When you're listening to the Car Guys report, make sure to tell a friend to listen to the Car Guys report. As well, we're available on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blurberry, and iHeartRadio. We are just basically everywhere. Remember uh, to uh, take some time to subscribe to our uh, podcast. You'll get an automatic push notification when there's new content, which is once a week. And also, you could leave us a nice uh, rating if you would like. We've got some nice uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts, and early would welcome a few more and the best part of podcasting with uh, radio misfits is everything is free it's listening listening on your own terms whether you're in your car you're at work maybe maybe you're at home maybe you're on the beach wherever you are whatever device you're listening on a ipad a tablet a desktop a laptop your phone you can fast forward rewind replay do whatever you want that's what uh podcasting is all about and the uh, podcasts on the radio misfits podcast network are are you are able to do that and everything is free that's the best part of it including the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with lou Cossible. and i know lou is excited because we're at the part in the program where we play the car guys report uh, Lou, my car story with Lou, Car Guys Report guessing game. And Lou, if you want to tell our listeners once again how this is uh, is played, I know last episode I was one, two, three. I hit it out of the park. So I'm hoping to follow up with that today. We'll see what happens. You had a home run on the last one, and this is how the game is played. So I have this YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. And if this is the first time you're listening, I'm going to pick three cars that were all in the same week that I put the videos online. And it's going back a couple of months so that they've had time to, so to speak, percolate. <laughs> and based on views, yeah, based on views, the cars that has the most view is obviously number one. The car that has the second most view is number two. And the car that has the third most views is number three. So Mark and you can sit back and guess on what's one, two, three. Mark has not seen these uh, results. Uh, he has no idea which one is in first place. Sometimes that's very evident, and last time he was 100% dead on. So we'll see how you do as well as how Mark does. And I usually pick the oldest car of the three first. So we start with a 1953 Chevrolet Corvette convertible, 67, number 67. Yeah. With an engine start. So this is the first 300 Corvettes that were made. This is car number 67. In white? They only came in white. Yeah. And what was the name of that white color? Uh, Polo. Was it Polo uh, or Wimbledon? Well, hold on. I thought it was like Wimbledon white or something like that. But I know that there was a a name that is associated with that white. Right. 1953 Corvette. Let me just pull that up. Um... Let me see what comes up on that. Uh, Polo White. Oh, it is Polo. Okay, see, you know more than I do. <laughs> uh, well, on this one. <laughs> so, so, so the next car 
1966 Ford Galaxy 500 7 liter hardtop in black with engine sound. And the third one is a 68 Plymouth GTX convertible hmm. pilot pace car with a 426 wow. Chevy. Wow. What, what kind of pace car? What? It was a Plymouth GTX convertible pilot pace car. Pilot. With a 426 What is the Chevy. pilot? What's the significance of the pilot? The pilot would mean that it was uh, uh, almost like a uh, uh, test car. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Like a, like a prototype okay. car. And what color was that? Uh, that one was uh, more of a tan. Hmm. And so it, got, is it festooned with, with, like, pace car graphics on the side? or? Yes, yes. It is. Pace car graphics okay. on the side. Okay. So we have 53 Chevrolet Corvette convertible the first year, 66 Ford Galaxy 500 7-liter hardtop in black with engine sound, and a 68 Plymouth GTX convertible We'll call it prototype, although it says pilot pace car with a 426 Hemi. I'm going to so, go. Uh, no, no easy choices here. Yeah. I'll tell you, all, all three winners. I'm going to go with the GTX, number one, just because those are really neat cars. You don't see a lot of them. And the, and the provenance of being a pilot car. I'll do the Corvette second just because it's a rare car and historically significant. And even though the, the black hardtop, uh, Galaxy is a very cool car. I'm going to put that in number three, and we'll see how, how well I did. Well, unfortunately, number three is number one. <laughs> it is. See? There you yeah. go. You, you, you foxed me again, Lou. <laughs> Curses. <laughs> number three came in number one with 10,277 wow. views. Wow. The number one car you picked turned in number two, okay. which was the Plymouth GTX So the Corvette was number three. Surprisingly, wow. the first-year Corvette had 6,600 views, wow. and the Plymouth GTX had 7,870 huh. views. So, yeah, uh, a real challenge because, and this is the, this is the proof in the pudding because, you know, somebody else can do the exact same three cars and video them, and obviously get the different, completely results. But uh, yeah, I was quite surprised that the uh, first-year Corvette was uh, third runner-up but at the same time i mean a 68 pilot convertible hemi pace car that's yeah, cool uh, yeah I mean, how and, can you not and, say that is like a really awesome car yeah and a 68 or excuse me a 66 ford galaxy with the seven liter badges on it i mean uh you know that's 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 some pretty pretty high company matter of fact if we were choosing these three cars versus a porsche 911 <laughs> uh, <laughs> well you're not gonna let that one go are you so what's that what's that email that people hey, car guys report at hotmail.com let lou story. know that the 911 is a good car <laughs> lou knows it's a great car one thing i did respect it. ford for with it with those galaxies is actually uh using the leader designation instead of cubic inches because back in the mid-60s especially with an american car having a liter designation for engine size instead of cubic inches was like unheard of. And a lot of people probably didn't even know what that meant. And I always thought that was cool because, you know, now it's, 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 it's just as common or more common than a cubic inch designation. But back then it was something different. So I think that's what made it number one there, Lou. Well, what, well, I want to add to that. So 
what was the first car you remember having the leader? You know, I, that's, that's, yeah. that's an American car. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm saying, I think, I, I can't remember any other American car that ever said leader prior to that. I mean, it, well, it's just something you I'm didn't see. Kind of like how I had the 65 Bel Air, and I didn't think Bel Air when yeah. you were talking about the countries earlier. Uh, the GTO. Really? Yeah. Oh, look at the little oh yeah, you're right. You know? know? Yeah. It would say 6.5 liter okay. on there. and uh, But pretty uh, close in year, though, because the GTO what, came out in 64? 64 was the first yeah. GTO. But, yeah, they had that little side badge yeah. with the kind of checkered flag-like look. Yeah. It wasn't a checkered flag, but it had, you know, those little squares in it. And, uh, yeah, it would say 6.5 liter. Yeah. I think that was a conscious decision from a marketing standpoint, especially with John DeLorean heading up Pontiac at the time, to try to give it some European cachet so it could be comparable to something like, you know, back in the day, then a Ferrari or a Maserati or a Porsche or something like that. I definitely think that was a... That was the thought process there, as I would I would venture to guess, but it's cool that they did it because it's 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 iconic to me. I think it's just really cool. So cool. So I I was kind of um, I was kind of failed miserably on that one there, Lou. So <laughs> well, this this one was a this one was a tough one. Yeah. To, to your point, I mean, um, you know, somebody else's channel a uh, first year court. I mean, and that's the only first year Corvette I have on the channel because sure. well, there's not a lot of them. Yeah. So, uh, by, by the way, it's probably only the six, probably the only '68 Plymouth GTX convertible with a 426 in it too. Yeah. It's a pace car, so uh, or a pilot car uh, is what they called it, but uh, you could call it a prototype. Um, but I think they called it a pilot car uh, to test it. But um, anyway, yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 I think that's common denominator you and I have, even with this car story guessing game. And I hope the people who listen to the channel as well is it's just fascinating. You know, sure I, is, I, yeah. I, I'm just enamored with the stories from the people. And yet I, I get just as enamored by watching one car go, go, uh, I'll give you an example of one that, uh, it's not coming up on the channel, but but you'll probably remember. I did a Renault Turbo Five. Oh, R five Turbo. Yeah, those are awesome. I think it's awesome too. It tanked on the it, track. Really? That's so wild. It, it it did nothing. I had a 1913 Bugatti. That when you know the story behind it, that that if you went to the Bugatti Museum in France, their earliest one is a 1920, and mm. I had a 1913 video. Wow. And that car did nothing. Yeah. Why? Because Nobody's looking up a 1913 Bugatti. So, but when you listen to the story, you know, if people who are, if people are listening this deep into the channel, go to My Car Story with Lou and, and punch in 1913 Bugatti. Talk about an amazing story. Um, you know, just really good stuff. So that'll be our treat to you for staying this long in our in our podcast. Well, let you me let me ask you a check. question about that R5 Turbo. Did you have an engine sound or a drive with that car? Yep. You did, and it still didn't do well. Engine sound, no drive, because I was in a car show. I mean, that car is so badass, though. I mean, it's so wide and cool from the back. It's just, I don't know. It's, wow. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the 85 Renault Renault 5. uh, They call it the R5 Turbo 2. And I think the thing that made it cool uh, is just like a Cogsworth Vega or you know uh, a Yanko Vega when they when they take something that's let's call Low it a end. non yeah. thing 
low low interest rate car. Now, pausing for a second, I've seen some Corolla S's that don't do anything for me or something like that, and it's it's almost embarrassing when they call it a Focus GT. Yeah, but but I had a regular R5 LeCar. We've talked about that on the program before. I had an 82, and the R5 Turbo basically from the B-pillar back looks nothing like the... (laughs) Like a regular R5 because it's a mid-engine car. It's got these huge, wide hips on it. It's lowered. It just looks so cool. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh Yeah, pretty cool stuff for sure. Huh. Interesting. Well, we do the Car Guys Report guessing game on every episode of the Car Guys Report. And, of course, uh, on our next episode, Lou will have more interesting things to uh, quiz me on there. And if you're not familiar with Lou's YouTube channel, it's uh, My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. Up to, what, about 80,000 subscribers currently, Lou? Yeah, by the time they, they're listening to this uh, program, we'll be at, uh, we should be at 80,000 subscribers. Great. 1,600 uh, car videos on there. Definitely worth your time to uh, check out. So uh, do it as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Coming up on the next episode of The Car Guys Report, we'll talk about part two of Cars Named After Places and Lou's uh, juices are flowing for that one, so he'll come up with some uh, guesses and see if he's right on that. A horse for a Nash. Wait a minute. A what? A horse for a Nash. Yep, that's what I said. That story and more on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have been able to spend some time with you today. Special thanks to executive producer... Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. And that would be radiomisfits.com. This Opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Proceeding with a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Rick, move out of the way. Here comes a bear. German nudists. Pubic hair beer. Mm. My brush with a A-list celebrity comedian. And a snippet from our interview with voiceover guru, Debbie Derryberry. All that and unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, I'm going to tell you all about something that I hadn't done in five months. Were you amazed, Steve? I was amazed until you finally turned the shower on. (laughs) (laughs) And then Steve's animal stories and the show he watches all about them. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify. Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, how's about my car and this horse for that Nash over on yonder? Plus, Bentley puts its classic V8 out to pasture. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits podcast network.